and welcome to the One Degree Shift podcast. I'm your host, Eric Termundi, and I'm excited to introduce you to the wonderful guests I've got on season two and the little things they're doing to create a more intentional future for themselves, for their teams, and for the communities around them. I hope you enjoy. Kathy Kinlock, thank you so much for joining the One Degree Shift podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for inviting me, Eric. It's great to see you. You know, um, I've, I've got to be careful with an introduction uh, for you because in a 15-minute or 20-minute podcast, I could probably speak the whole time about, you know, my admiration for your leadership style and everything that you've done uh, for not just the Vancouver community, but the country as well. For those who don't Thank know you. Kathy, she's currently the president of BCIT. She's a member of the board of directors for TELUS, a former CEO for Fraser Health. She's won every award there is to win across the country. And these will be my words, not hers, because you won't hear it from, from her. Um, she's just an incredible leader. Um, and, 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 you know, when we served on the emerging economies task force mm-hmm. last year for the, for the provincial government here in British Columbia, it was um, a true honor to be able to work with her, understand and learn from her in terms of leadership and style and, and, and ensuring that we have success with the entire group and also seeing how she made everyone feel included in an equal part of the conversation. So Kathy, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for your time and thank you for joining the show today. Thank you, Eric. Thank you very much. The, um, the conversation I want to have with you today is around not just the future of education and preparing the next generation for work, whatever work may look and feel like, uh, but it's the speed of change that you've, you've experienced as well at BCIT and otherwise. Now, I remember when we were working together, you had shared with me that a couple of years ago, BCIT went under this comprehensive journey to build a four-year strategic plan. Um, now, I don't want to finish the story, but if I were to sort of summarize it, this, the, the BCIT was moving too quickly and you had to scrap it a couple of years in uh, and do things a little bit different. Can you tell us about how, how you realized the strategic plan that was initially set wasn't correct anymore and then what process you, you took to, to fix it? Sure. It's a topic near and dear to my heart, as you know, Eric, because without a strategy and a, a current strategy and one that's relevant to the community, we're serving it. a strategic plan is fairly useless. And uh, over time, uh, BCIT strategic plan was a bit tired, in my view, and I think the view of others as well. It was I didn't hear it being spoken of or referenced in that uh, kind of a guiding document that could help us move forward in, in uh, today's environment and a quickly evolving environment, as you know. So we started a plan to say, what do we need to do to really make sure that we're hearing the voices of the faculty and staff who every day are with students and, and really know where education's going but also challenge ourselves to have some speakers in and, and other views as well so that we can make sure we're current. Because um, at BCIT um, Polytechnic, um, with the Polytechnic, we, are, we have some critical mandates to meet. Um, we work with industry to make sure that the, our graduates are job ready when they leave. And they also are relevant to industry. So if they're not being hired quickly and being retained, then we have an issue. And I don't think we were at that point, but we absolutely needed to re-energize. So we focused on, at the end of the day, after an extensive consultation process involving 
many, many internally and also from industry on our input uh, and are working with our board as well. We focused on three key areas that it distilled to the strategic plan that emerged. And it's quite simple to be people focused organization. So that meant with each other, but also with the focused on our students as well and to drive and deliver a future, um, what we call future-proof education. Now, I don't know if I'd use that in the new COVID world because I'm not sure we can proof it, but. Um, and then to build and establish uh, globally relevant connections, which we already had well advanced, but wanted to be more strategic and, and uh, uh, focused on that. So with that, uh, we've, that's been the genesis of our, our strategic plan. We've launched since you and I chatted last uh, different task groups to go out and take components of that plan. We broke it down and they've been, you know, they've served in leadership roles. We've allocated our operating budgets accordingly um, so that we could make sure that they had the resources they needed. And, you know, really it's, it's moved the organization considerably. Interestingly enough that you even ask about it, but when the pandemic started, I asked the team to the senior team to say, I think we need to just hold back and not burn our team out on, on deliverables that are still due, which we're still moving the dial on, but at a lesser pace. And do we have the right key initiatives in our strategic plan, given the emerging, emerging economy and the changing world? And so that's where we're at right now. We're just taking a, so we've gone to the board and uh, governors and said, we think we should extend uh, our strategic plan into, into 2023, and it was due to be complete in 2022. And that gives us a bit more time to add the emerging issues as we're our, our um, opportunities, not so much issues, um, as they're being presented in this pandemic and post-COVID world. And so we're starting to populate that as we're going along. We'll do a big consultation in September and the fall with our faculty and staff. We wanted them to keep their eye on education and not being focused on other areas right now. That's the number one job is to make sure they're supported and our students are supported. So in a nutshell, that's where we've been since, since you and I last spoke about the STRAT plan at PCIT. Does the horizon of the STRAT plan change I mean, you know, it's hard enough to predict what's going to happen next week or next month, let alone four years from now. How do you continue to have your eyes on, you know, a four or five or even a 10-year plan while still being agile and, and flexible within it? Yeah, it's not easy. And uh, so one of the things we've done is we've really compartmentalized the discussions at this point to the deans and dire directory level, particularly the deans level and to the senior team. And September has been our, will be our big launch into the community for their input. So we tried not to distract people. And that's been number one. Um, their, their role is so critical to the success. So that's number one. The second is we've been meeting with and exposing ourselves to thinkers who are outside of post-secondary. So uh, John Stackhouse, the RBC, others as well coming in and, and uh, you know, starting to look at, um, at what, are some of their predictions and where do they think the, the future might lie? We've spoken with other post-secondaries and, and uh, across Canada and, and elsewhere. 
and also looked at opportunities that are emerging for collaboration with, with other post-secondaries and industry. So uh, that helps us as well. We're, we're involved with the digital supercluster. We're looking at some uh, initiatives nationally with other institutions, as well as continuing on with our industry connections. One of the steps in going forward during this time, though, is, is the ability to meet with industry leaders to hear their voice, which will be critical to where and how we shape our key initiatives going forward. For that, we'll ensure that we provide someone who's a speaker for them as well. So it's not just a, you know, a giving and nothing in return, but some opportunities for them to hear speakers they may not have had the opportunity to do mm-hmm. so. And then to have very frank feedback. We don't want the sugar-coated feedback. Just help us understand what they see in the future and what they're worried about and how we can help. Mm-hmm. Well, that's incredible. And, and it takes me to industry then and how fast industry is changing too. On uh, October 21st of 2020, the World Economic Forum released its Future of Jobs uh, report and talked about uh, the skills that we need to acquire to be successful in 2025. You know, a lot of them being soft skills, active listening, problem solving, critical thinking, et cetera. Uh, but what struck me it may or may not come as a surprise to you, though I'm sure you've heard the number numerous times before, is that nearly half of the workforce will need to be reskilled or upskilled or retrained in the next five years. You know, Coming from BCIT, what does that tell you about the future of education and how programming will be changing? It's, it's, um, it's a big message and it's an important one. And if we don't mm-hmm. Uh, listen to it. We won't be relevant. Industry, as you know, from and that was a, a great summit. I I logged in for most of it. I was just fascinated. One of the key areas of that is that we have to change the educational model. Is basically mm-hmm. an underlying message there was change or be extinct, really. Um, and industry needs that relevance, and they need the ability to pivot quickly. Um, and continuously. And the number, the percentage of, of um, young people, particularly, I think it was 40% who might be unemployed if they don't have access to education. So we're looking at courses when, as we announce our, our come out uh, with our updated uh, longer plan that we'll call, we have micro-credentials, small, quick, uh, mm-hmm. that are stackable. Um, we'll be looking at the ability to register and basically create your own program by that stackable approach. We'll be looking at credits uh, as well that will be building so you can build, you might not take a natural path on a degree. You might, Mm -hmm. you know, you might wander a bit, but you'll pick up the tools that, um, that industry wants or, and, or that you feel you're short in if you've been in the workforce, uh, focus on women and and people at risk, uh, as well. Um, and looking at how we encourage and expand the programs for them to enter. So it, it's a pretty big game changer, but it's important for us to do and take the time to analyze and make sure that we we're serving um, the industry through building communities that are, are work ready for them. Do you anticipate then that there will be, not to suggest that there isn't now, a stronger partnership with industry that would allow flexibility and more sort of a fluid back and forth between industry and education then? I mean, if... if yeah, I heard. I heard last week that the slowest that the world will ever change is today, moving forward. 
with technology moving at a breakneck speed uh, and the world around us changing so quickly, not just in the technological space, but, um, you know, any way we can consider or fathom, uh, I would see that, you know, someone might go out into the workforce for, you know, two, three, four, five years, come back for six months and back out again. With that in mind, is that something that you're anticipating? Do you anticipate the average age? And I don't need a number uh, of, of what it is now or what it might be. Uh, but at the average age of a student uh, getting older, do you see the, the campus redeveloped in, in any way? Do you see uh, virtual being a stronger part of, of the education? And I'll, st- I'll stop my questions there. Well, I could just go yes to all of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, the whole landscape will change. Um, that's, the age of the students will vary. Um, and it, it won't be just up to the 20, 30 or so. And, and for BCIT, now it's not anyway. We have a number of returning professionals and who are um, continually learning and adding on and, and uh, maybe even double certific- certification or degrees or whatever. So that's not new, but it, I think it will expand. Uh, age will become probably less of an issue after that entrance level is passed. And our, our students work together on teams. They're always team-based and for the most part, and, and they're encouraged to do that, to learn how to work together through the hot and cold time of group work and working with industry. Industry, we have a, something called um, program advisory committees now. So every program has an advisory committee of industry. I think the membership of those program advisory committees might change to reflect today and tomorrow's environment. Um, sometimes, you know, people have been on them a long time, so it's just, and or in different industries will join them. And, and we hope that that's the case as well. So, so it's a pretty big wholesale reform, you know, uh, for organizations that want to stay relevant and current. Um, I, I think it's so important for for us to do that and continually evolve during that time as well, because what uh, what we might predict for a year out may not be the case, or you know. So we just have to be nimble as we're moving along as well. Mm-hmm. Our, our faculty have been incredible. You know, they have the expertise in the area. They are also in contact with their relevant industries. And that is invaluable, that informal conversation and feedback. Well, this is incredible, Kathy. As a, as, a, as a last question or perhaps a comment, maybe I'll ask you to speak to the individual on the other line, regardless of their position, of um, their industry, uh, uh, of the sector, of the size, of the profit status. What would you say to an individual who's looking to better prepare for tomorrow's workplace? You know, they want to be educated. They want to build this agile muscle and they want to be ready for an uncertain and unpredictable tomorrow. What would you say to them? I'd say, first of all, um, know that there's solutions out that can help and, and support support you. So one of them, it, no matter what institution, post-secondary institution you look at, there's ability usually to go part-time, uh, particularly if you have a job and or you're considering. There's ability to take short courses so that you can test it and see um, how that fits, that subject area fits with you. You don't have to necessarily, you know, go for a degree totally at the front. There's institutions that are, are flexible in that regard. And you're in this with others who are in the same position, many returning students um, who have you know, had a 
a shift during this pandemic and are looking to new uh, vistas and or just a shift in their focus and, and going forward. So there's, um, there's a spirit of um, uh, cooperativeness and support as you go through. And it's a bit of a challenge still on, on uh, online learning. For, but we do provide at BCIT um, hands-on learning in the key areas as well so that and it's safe and each of the post-secondary institutions are safe so look at them consider your options and go for it there's you'll learn something no matter what even if you decide not to continue in that area very well said Kathy thank you for that is um is there anything else you want to share with us today no but thanks for your interest and love to update you once we we finish this journey in about six months Eric fantastic I look, I look forward to hearing the success and the progress and know that you've got a, a friend and a fan in me every step along the way. Thanks so much. Really appreciate Thank you. it.